0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: The white garments are symbolic of, of our righteousness. Our righteousness comes from Christ, so those who overcome. What do you need to do to become an overcomer? Okay, repent you would be classified as overcomer. you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins are forgiven, you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you repent of your sins, you are an overcomer, all right? So every promise of the overcomer is God's word to believers. Believers are overcomers. We overcome through the blood of the Lamb. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name.
0: Sometimes it seems as though it's impossible to get over something. To be an overcomer, we've all heard the phrase, Just get over it, be an overcomer. We all know it's easier said than done. God says in His Word that we are overcomers if we've repented of our sins and believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but it requires much faith and obedience. Today, Pastor Bill talks about a remnant who has not fallen away and whose names are written in the Book of Life. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the Book of Revelation, chapter three, as he continues his message, The Church of Sardis.
1: While there's lots of service and lots of things that living Christians do, there isn't any real life. And so we want to be careful about adding Christian service to a sinful life. That's what some people do. I'm not going to change my life and give God what he really wants, but I'll make up the difference in serving. You know you can't serve enough to make up for a rebellious life. If you're writing notes, write down Matthew 7, 21 to 23. And we'll look real quickly at a group of people that were serving in uh, powerful ways, yet they don't even go to heaven when it's all over with. In Matthew 7, 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, 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 have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. And done many wonders in your name. And notice, Jesus never says, "No, you didn't." They were prophesying, casting out demons, and doing many wonders in the name of Jesus. Then he says to them, "Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." Jesus, said, man, while y'all was serving y'all butts off, y'all weren't even saved. I don't even know you. What would motivate a person to be prophesying, casting out demons, and doing many wonders? And they, not even, they won't even stop sinning. They haven't even done the first thing, which is repent. Don't add to a sinful rebellion life Christian service. Not going to get you where you want to go. Here's the crazy thing, that maybe these nonbelievers were used to lead other people to Christ, but they're not even going. They may have filled some seats in heaven themselves while they're not going to make it themselves. What a shame. And that's what faking it will get you. I think God will use people despite them. I would like to go. I don't just want y'all to go. I want to go with you as well. So, but that happens. That's Matthew 7. God is saying, look, look at what happens when you add Christian service to a sinful life. He says, you've never stopped sinning. You who practice law, you guys are still in habitual disobedience. So look, if you're here and there's habitual rebellion and sin in your life, you should repent today. You're not in a good space. If you can go on in habitual, regular, ongoing sin against God while going to church, that's not, you're not good. That's not, you not in a good place with the Lord. God calls us to repent. He offers to forgive. And God will bring about true transformation, everybody that comes to him. But you do got to come, and you got to come his way. We don't want to fake it and fake it and all make it all the way to the end, look like everybody else, and then we don't even make it ourselves. We, just, we were just good fakes. We want to be good for real. We want to be transformed for real. I want to be a Christian for real. I want to be born again for real, not just appear like, not just put on the the trappings of a Christian. I, I want to actually be one, and that's my exhortation to all of us that we gotta examine our own selves. If you are faking something, you know it, and may nobody may know it but you. But if you're faking it, you know it. If you're pretending somewhere, you know it, and God would call you out today and say, "Repent of that." Don't don't be content to continue to live like that. Uh, it's not going to end well for those that live that way he says i know your works that you have a name that you're alive but you are dead verse two this is his command to them be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die for i have not found your works perfect before god first thing he says here is be watchful he's going to say again later on if you will not watch he's telling this church you guys need to be watchful you need to be watching you need to be alert this is a church, they're not aware. They're not looking for the Lord's coming. They're not aware of his coming back. And so he said, look, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. And so he said, the little bit of stuff that's not dead yet is about to die. It's a dead church and most of y'all are dead and a little bit of things that are left. He says, strengthen that which remains that are also ready to die. I liken the analogy to this. You know, if, if you have a fan at your home or a like a ceiling fan, if you turn it on, or if you plug a fan into power, it's going to spin and it'll begin to have an effect on the room. It'll cool the room down, right? Well, if you unplug it for a while, it'll be spinning, but it'll be less and less and less and less effective, slower and slower and slower and slower. And eventually it'll just stop. And so that's the, the picture here of these believers. He says, look, you guys are dead and there's a little bit of life left there, but what's there is about ready to die. And he says, strengthen that which remains that are ready to die. And then he says, for I have not found your works perfect." Before God, I have not found your works. They're not complete. They're not right. Your works aren't perfect. And so, even the one that says I know your works is saying your works ain't even right. How does someone's works not be right? Not, again, I, I believe we looked at that Matthew seven. If you're if you're doing works for God, but you don't have a life for God, God said your works are not even perfect before me. You can do the right thing and have the wrong heart, and God said I don't receive that. Understand this about the Lord. God wants you before He wants your service. Before he wants your money, before he wants anything that you do for him or give to him, he wants you. Jesus died on the cross to save who? You. You. Not to save your gift, your voice, your talent, your money, everything else. First, you. That's why some of the things that we do here, we do them for that reason. When people come into the door, we don't first say, what can you do for us? We first say, hey, let's go through discipleship. Why? Because I don't know if you're saved yet. I don't know what church you came out of. I don't know what kind of background you came from. I want to know who you are and what do you need? What do you need from us first? And, and let's clarify. Let's make sure. What's the first lesson in discipleship for those that have been through it? Salvation. Let's make sure that we're saved, that we're born again. That is of utmost support. And we build up from there. And then when we're all done with that, now now let's get busy. Now we're saved and we love the Lord and figure out what our gifts are. and Let's serve and be effective. But know that it would be wrong to have you walk through the door and just say, Well, can you you can sing, you could do this, and you could just put you to work. I won't do that. I won't be guilty of that. Because I know God is saying first, I, I want to have you first. Then, then I definitely wanna use you for my glory, but first I want you. First, I want your heart. First, I want your life. I want you to be saved, I want you to belong to me. And so we want to do it in that order. God, have me first. And then out of the overflow of my love for the Lord, my gratefulness for all he's done for me, yes, we'll serve you, we'll give to you, we'll, we'll do all those things. We'll do them out of a heart of gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord, though. So strengthen the things that are made. He says, I've not found your works perfect before God. Verse three, he says, remember therefore how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. God tells this dead church to remember I want you guys, you got to look back because you guys aren't really probably hearing right now. But I want you to remember how you have received and how you have heard. And it evidently points back to there was a time when you were hearing and receiving. Uh, I want you to remember that time. And I believe this. There are people that become dull of hearing or they don't hear at all anymore because they block God for so long. There was a season where God was speaking and it was fresh and it was clear and there was conviction. And you could hear God was ministering, was speaking to you. And then you're now saying... I don't, I'll sit through a whole mess and I don't feel nothing. I just sit through it. Just, it's just, it's words and I go on home. Um, you become dull of hearing. How do you become dull of hearing? The more you block God out, the more you hear and don't respond, the more you hear and don't yield, you become dull of hearing. And so he says, look, you guys remember, look back to when you were hearing. Remember when you were, and some of us, you got to look back. Maybe you look back and say, man, I remember, I do remember times when God spoke to me with clarity. What did he say? And what have you done with what he said? Did you obey Did you yield? Did you repent? Did you respond? Because they got to look back. That means that they're not hearing today. If you're here and you're hearing clearly right now, you know it. But if you're hearing you say, no, I don't really hear from God like that. Well, when was the last thing you heard with clarity? Because maybe you have to go back to that place and say, God, you know what? The last thing you spoke really clearly was this. I didn't want to do it. I didn't like it. I didn't yield to it. And why would he say anything new to you? The last thing I said, I want you to go back to that. And if there's a something back there, then that's the answer for you. Go back. Go back. Remember what you heard. Go back and obey that. Start there. And make it your new trend that when you hear him, you obey him. That when he speaks, you yield. Because God knows what we need to hear, and God will speak to the things that need to be spoken to in all of our lives. I look back over the seasons of my life, and... I'm amazed at the things that the order that God worked in, the things that were of first level importance. There were things that when I first got saved, because I look back now as a, you know, I'm I'm a lot further along in my walk with the Lord. Well, I look back at me in my early days as a Christian. There was so much wrong with me. But God was he was like picking one fight at a time. So when I first, first, first got saved, it was, you know, alcohol and sexual sin. Now, I had a lot of other issues. But God said, we'll start there. So God didn't bother me about my language. God didn't bother me about, you know, being aggressive with people out in the streets. We didn't start there. God said, first, we got to get rid of alcohol and the women. It's going to kill you, you know. And so that was of the primary thing. And then I get rid of the women and God delivered me from alcohol. And then God started dealing with my language. You know how he did that? He put me around my wife. I met my wife. I was saved. And she wasn't sure how saved I was. And I I was with her one day and some guy cussed and she was appalled that he spoke like that in front of a woman. And can I tell you that as small a thing as that sounded, if you would have asked me to stop cussing, I would have said, I can't. That's how I talk. That's it just that that's all it took. And it was gone out of my vocabulary. Like I don't cuss. Glory to God. I'm not taking credit. He took me down a path, and he's still taking me down a path. So God is still speaking and so there are things that God is speaking to me that are fresh for now that I need to obey and I need to yield. And it'll be that way until we get to heaven. My encouragement to us is that God wouldn't have to tell you and me like he's telling Sardis, remember when I was speaking. Remember, I don't want to have to look back to, yeah, last year, God, you said this and I still haven't done it. I want to just say like, this is what God is speaking to me right now. Currently, we're still walking together. So I'm hearing from God anew and afresh. But if for you, if the ears have been clogged then you can remember back, start there and begin to obey from that place. And God will begin to speak and God will get more clear. And you have more clarity than you ever have when you're more obedient than you've ever been. When you obey what God is saying, you will hear what he wants to say more and more and more. That's how you turn up God's value. Be obedient because God's not wasting his words on a disobedient child. And no one knows how disobedient or obedient you're willing to be like he does. God knows. You may can get over on your mom or somebody. Like just tell me what to do. I promise I'm going to do it. You know? God knows if you mean that or if you don't mean that. God, if you just tell me what to do, I'm going to do it. God's like, no, you don't. Because I told you to do that. You didn't do it. Don't tell me that. You know? You're not going to fool God. So we want to be clear. So move on. He says, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast. And he says to everybody that needs to correct something, repent. Remember what you heard. The phrase hold fast means hold fast what you heard last. And then he says, repent. Repent of not doing what I told you. Repent of not going. So repentance is not something you say. It's not something you feel. Repentance is something you do. So God said, look, as you remember what you heard, repent of not going my way. So make a U-turn and begin to walk with me from this place. The amazing thing is that God would allow us to repent. That God says, look, if you turn back to me, I'll still be with you. I'll still have a relationship with it. God doesn't turn his back on people. He says, you know, repent. And he says this, therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. And so the language he uses here, this is the same thing he says to those are going to be left behind. He said, therefore, if you won't watch, so I've told you to watch, if you won't watch, I'll come upon you as a thief. What does that mean? That means you're going to get caught unaware. You're going to be, I'm going to catch you unsuspecting. Here's the thing. If you and I live in regular obedience, does it matter when God comes? He's going to find us doing what we're supposed to be doing when he comes. It's going to be great because we're living with anticipation that he can come at any time and we live in ongoing obedience to him. But if you live in disobedience and God catches you slipping, uh, he shows up. He says, I'm going to show up like a thief. If you're a good thief, you catch people when they are not thinking or they're not aware, Right. I'm not encouraging theft, and I'm not encouraging anybody here to be good at it, but for some of y'all that used to do it, you know, if you're a good thief, you you don't come when they're looking for you, you come when they're not looking for you. God says, I'm going to come like a thief to you guys that are not paying attention, you guys that are not obedient. You're going to be caught off guard, and there'll be nothing you could do. If the rapture of the church happened right now, everybody in this room that is saved would be gone. And if you were here after we're gone is there anything you can do to catch the late ship? There's not one. You have been left. It is too late. There's nothing you can do. It's come upon you like a thief. You should have been ready. Stay ready. Be ready for the Lord's return at any moment. And you don't got to get ready because there's no time to get ready. You've got to be ready. So it says, now, uh, if you won't watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Now, verse 4, for you have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, And they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He says, there's a few here. So even in this jacked up dead church, God says there's a few here that have not defiled themselves and they're going to walk with me in white. Uh, Whenever you see that white is symbolic of the righteousness of Christ that we walk in as believers. He said, they're going to walk with me. Those that are there, that little handful, that remnant in the midst of a mess. God says, I, I'm able to pull out that which is correct in the midst of that which is incorrect. And I know what they are. Um, I love this because obviously we're a very weak church, but there is something to work with there. And God says, I, I see what's there to work with. You write notes, write down Isaiah 42, verse three. It says a brood reed. He will not break in a smoking flax. He will not quench. God is said, look, if there's anything to work with, if it's just a little bit, if there's a little ember, I'll stoke that and see what we can do with it. The amazing thing to me is that God doesn't just throw this church away. He doesn't say, ah, it's a mess. He's like, I'm going to take what we can work with here. If there's anything to work with. And I think that's a note for us. Maybe we're ministering sometimes to difficult people. But if there's anything to work with, don't be quick to throw people away. Don't be quick to give up. Don't be quick to walk away. If there's anything to work with, try to work with what's there to work with. So God does. He does that for us. And so next he says in verse 5, the promise of the overcomer. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. Again, the white garments is symbolic of, of our righteousness. Our righteousness comes from Christ. So those who overcome, what do you need to do to become an overcomer? Okay? Repent. You would be classified as overcomer. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins are forgiven. You believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You repented of your sins. You are an overcomer. All right. So every promise of the overcomer is God's word to believers. Believers are overcomers. We overcome through the blood of the Lamb. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out His name from the book of life, but I will confess His name before my Father and before his angels. So two things. God says, for those that are uh, overcomers, I will not blot out your name from the book of life. Now, we see the book of life. It's all throughout Scripture, it's in Exodus. There was the book of life, there's, we've seen in Revelation several times, Psalms 69 verse 28, Philippians chapter 4 verse 3, Paul talks about those that are names that are written in the book of life, it's throughout the Bible, this is what we know about the book of life. If your name's written in the book of life, you're going to heaven. If your name's not in the book of life, you're not. We know that the names are written before the foundation of the world, when did God know you were going to be saved? Before the foundation of the world, right? I got saved in 1995, but God knew that I was going to be saved in A.D. 22. You know, he knew, he knew before the foundation of the world that I would, when I would, and how it would come about. It's not news to him. It was news to me when I got saved, but it wasn't news to him. Those are names are written in the book of life. Now, as you come to the end of Revelation, and we're at the great white throne judgment, it's those whose names are not found in the book of life that get thrown into the lake of fire those that overcome God said I won't blot your name out of the book of life. So if we've overcome, that means we believed in Jesus, our names will not be blotted out. That's assurance that we will go to heaven. God won't blot your name out. So I'm glad that he won't blot my name. I'm glad once my name is in. I'm not my name's not going to be blotted out. I belong to the Lord. I do believe in eternal security. I don't believe that we can lose our salvation. I believe that when a person has everlasting life, everlasting don't ever run out. Amen. So if God gave me everlasting life, then it's got to live forever. If I'm a Christian and I'm born again and I mess up, God will spank me because he disciplines those who he loves, but I'm not losing my place. You know, I just gonna get spanked. So those who overcome, names will not be blotted out of the book of life. And God says this, but I will confess his name before my father and before the angels in heaven. Now there's a verse in Matthew's gospel where Jesus says, if you deny me before men, he says, I'll deny you before my father and the angels in heaven. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father and the angels in heaven. And so something I want us to consider right here is that we would not be people that are ashamed to confess the Lord. And I want to challenge this, right? Maybe there are people that you get in front of and you're you're a little more afraid or you're a little more shy in front of these people or in these certain situations. I want to encourage you that there would be no situation where you would be ashamed to name his name, to speak his name, that you wouldn't deny him that you wouldn't be embarrassed about him because here's the thing. One day I'm gonna die and you're gonna die and we're gonna stand before God. I don't want God to be like, mm, I don't know if I mm, I, don't. I want God to say, well, well, welcome in, well done, something. Just tell me I'm coming. You know, just claim me, own me, let me come, right? God, and God is looking down at us. Don't be ashamed of him. He is the most important person in the world. He has done the most valuable thing for every one of us here. It is because of him that we will not go to hell, but we're gonna go to heaven Whenever we have opportunity to proclaim him, to speak of him, to speak well of him, to share what he's done, we should not be ashamed. It should be the most exciting thing for us to be able to share. And I would this is the challenge I want to put out. Maybe you're a shy person. Maybe there are people that make you nervous. Maybe there are people that are argumentative in the way they talk. This is what I want you to do. This is how you overcome that. Whatever those people are, whatever those scenarios are that make you nervous, the next time you're confronted with it, just do this. Just do it anyway. Just go ahead and say what's on your heart. That's how you overcome it. I feel nervous right now. Just say it anyway. Just just say it. Just just get it done. I'm going to just say it. If somebody speaks about the Lord there a way that's not true and you're around, should you say something? Yeah. Absolutely. If somebody talked about your mama and, and the things they were saying about your mama wasn't true, how many of you would stand by silently? You would say something, right? Um, how much more the one that died on the cross for us? I, I should speak up but I'm not bold, pastor. I'm getting nervous. I get scared. God's Holy Spirit will make a shy person bold. You know that boldness is not a spiritual gift. God will empower shy, quiet people to be bold and courageous in their proclamation of the truth and the gospel. The guy that led me to the Lord is a quiet person, not a loud, big mouth like me. He was a quiet kind of guy, but that's who was bold enough in my life to tell me I was going to hell and that Jesus loved me and what I could do to be saved. Somebody quiet, but, but born again and spirit filled. No matter what you are in the natural, God will touch you in the supernatural and he'll make you a witness for him. So as we get ready to close, just two more things. Um, or one more thing, verse six. Same thing he says, all seven churches, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. This message was to them then, it's been to the church at large. It is to us today. Let them hear. And whatever God's spirit has spoken to you today, my hope is that you would hear it and respond to it. Maybe you got to encourage you in some area. Receive the encouragement. Maybe you've been challenged to do something. Obey the unction to do it. Maybe you're one that needs to repent today. Repent. We're going to do that right now. Uh, don't be ashamed. Don't be shy about it. That's what we're here to do. Don't ever let it be. If you can't do business with God in his house among his people, you probably won't do it anywhere. If you need to repent here, there there is zero, we, I can't afford to judge you. I'm not even in position to judge. I'm not a judge. There's one judge, God. So I'm calling you guys to say, if you need to repent, repent. Repent before the Lord. Acknowledge it before God. Let God begin a fresh work in your life. I would love for us to roll. I'd love for us to be, my heart is that we would be a church, a group at large as a whole There's a sincerity about our love for the Lord. There's a genuineness about how we function, how we talk, how we get down. I don't want to create a culture of fake people. I don't want people here to be feeling like, I just got to fake it. I got to just act like I'm doing. Don't do that. Just be real. We're going to love you. If you real and real messed up, we're going to love you while you real messed up. That's what the church will do. We'll love real messed up people until we all doing real good for real. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this letter to Sardis and what we learn about you in this letter, Lord. God, if there's anything to work with, you'll work with it. Oh, Lord, you'll work with just even, even if it's weak. God, we thank you that we learn about you in this letter that you have nothing good to say to a fake people, to a people that are pretending to be what they are not. You had nothing good to say to this dead church. The instruction was for them to remember when they were hearing from you and to repent.
0: We know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today, here on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill is working his way through the book of Revelation. There are a variety of things addressed in this book. There are letters written to churches, lots of imagery and prophecy and the best part a coming king who will reign supreme don't you just love a good story where good overcomes evil jesus is the ultimate in this bringing good and restoring all that's broken and lost what a wonderful savior how do you engage with the book of revelation is it scary to you is it confusing is it inspiring we'd like to help you through what you're thinking as you're listening to these messages Our number is 310-245-4811. Feel free to give us a call. We'd love to connect with you, just in case you missed it. That number is 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area... You can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as God continues to reveal His plan for the world and for us. On behalf of Pastor Bill and the rest of the production team, thanks for being a part of A Transforming Word.